0: God, our Father, from our living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A portion of God's word for our encouragement to be living victoriously is taken from the Gospel reading for today, John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23. We'll just share verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, leaders, Jesus come and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is the word of our gracious God. Living victoriously. What does that mean for you? Here San Francisco Giants stand, you probably are still living victoriously in last year's World Series Championship. You're San Francisco 49ers, you may be still living unvictoriously after the Super Bowl compete. But as one follows and believes in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been equipped to live each and every day victoriously. Why? Because we are at peace, forgiven, and commissioned. You can be sure of that because Jesus proclaims peace. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked to fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, be with you. Now why were the first words that the risen Lord and Savior said to his assembled disciples, Be peace, be with you. I mean, maybe that was the common greeting with friends. It was. And they were. But think of the timing of this. It surely was more than just a, how are you doing? Fine. How about you? Fine sort of greeting. Jesus. And then brutally and senselessly crucified. And with his death, Their hope was gone. And now he stood there. alive. He can say peace be with you because he earned it. Jesus, first and foremost, earned that peace between God and humans. For since Adam and Eve sinned, every human born was living under God's harsh and dreaded punishment. Jesus' disciples then and now are still included in that. That means you. That means me. That means our children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. A real and present danger, because it's a most inescapable danger. At least as far as what we can do, or his disciples then could do. Oh, sure. They may have been most worried by the Jewish leaders Who had influence enough to get Jesus crucified and most likely would, would be working to do the same with those who followed him Those who believed in Jesus of Nazareth The blasphemer in their eyes at least What were we worried about? Maybe we were worried about crazies with assault weapons and North Koreans with ballistic missiles. But Jesus' peace that he brought was not necessarily peace between the disciples and the Jewish leaders or the whole the Roman Empire that was so harshly ruling them or against assault weapons and foreign aggression. need our heart actually
1: Cares for us
0: and looks after us. And he does that through guardian angels that we all have. He does that through police forces and armed services and defense plans. But all those things would do us no good if we are enemies of that God. If we are living under his wrath, if we are hostile to him and he is still hostile to us. We know that's all changed. That's that's why the flowers are here, right? This is not a funeral. This is a resurrection party. That's all that Jesus did. He took our punishment. He went to the cross and he completely fulfilled all that God demanded of you and of me and of all the disciples back then and of every person. For example, every time we bat out church leaders, our synod leaders, our state or government leaders, Jesus died for that.
1: I mean, he also lived
0: in a way, he, he never did that to the leaders that were over it. Even those who were going to be crucifying him, he showed respect, And he did that. For you would be as well. I mean you can put any sinful word or action into that same formula. What sin would you put in that What is there any particular sin that's bothering you at this time that you really feel bad about? Or that you should feel bad about? Jesus never committed that sin and wanted you to know that. And then he took that sin and paid for it. It's all paid for. It. That's what peace with you is all about. Jesus wants us as he wanted his disciples at that time to turn to him looking for his help with a sorrowful heart so that he could say to them, Peace be with you. I have taken away that sin. Find joy in that fact. Peace be with you. Jesus said, and he shared that with his frightening disciples. <throat> and it's quite tough for us to put ourselves off back that that time frame, but go back there at least a little bit. Their leader's dead. Then the trial was a mockery. The death was horrible. They had all ran away. They didn't, they didn't end up helping him at all, it seemed. And all kinds of terrible things happened. got like dark and earthquakes. And What kind of time are we living in? And now, for whatever comfort we have gathered together, you know, hiding away, locking the doors, you know, as, as much as we can. And what happens? Jesus appears. I mean, how do we know it's really Jesus? Or if we're just so, so stressed that we're imagining that it's Him, or we're, we're, we're dreaming that it's Him. Who is this one who is standing before us and saying, Peace be with you? is it that one that lived perfectly and died innocently? He needed to know. We need to know. That so Jesus, not only said it was him, he, he showed them his credentials. His credentials of crucifixion. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It's like he's saying, oh, frightened disciples. My words, peace be with you. I guess it's a hopeful kind of day, Throw it out. There's, they bring that peace. And so they know it's me. Look, look at, the, at the nail-ripped holes in my hands, my pierced side. I was dead, yes, but I am now alive. Now everything has changed. Are you. Of that you can be sure. Of that you need to be sure. Of that Jesus said. I will make you sure. Because you as my followers. Have a critical task ahead of you. That needs to get done. Before I return on judgment day. And for that purpose. Jesus commissioned others. Now I. My. Trusted Webster's Collegiate Dictionary of 1964 defines commission this way. Authorization to perform certain duties or tasks or to take on certain powers. Now the definition may be somewhat older but it fits exactly what is going on here. Exactly what Jesus was doing with his followers. His commissioning was sending them off again, Jesus said, be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Who? Well, the 11 disciples, right, that followed and walked with him and learned from him for those three years. And the other, the other group of the believers that were there, including men and women, were being sent off on official business. The word translated sending carries the idea to be ordered to an appointed place official business of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They were commissioned, you and I are commissioned, to go to the place that God has set up for us to go to, and carry on the work that he has laid before us. As the Father has sent him to this earth, to live that life that we could not live, to die that death that he didn't want us to die, in like manner, Jesus is now sending us so that others may know and hear and come to believe and trust in all that Jesus has done. Not, not to go and ask the other means of getting right with God, do it not good works, act in a different way, change your ways, and somehow God may have mercy on you. No, that's not the reason at all. Jesus accomplished all that. Note in this commissioning, he begins it by saying those words again. Reminds his followers, peace be with you. But Jesus knows his followers well. Whether then or now. And that tendency to say, uh, okay, you're sending someone, well, well, send her or, or send him. You know, not me. And even if you're authorized to do that, we are reluctant. And perhaps they would have been, they have been reluctant. Little chance then of carrying out the commission. So Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to them. Bless. And with that, he grieved on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't work, dear friends, to say, well, I wasn't there, so it didn't think that me so then I don't have to do anything. Oh do you have to receive the Holy Spirit at your baptism? Or later in life, or when you hear the word, the Holy Spirit isn't with you? Of course he is. So what good is the Holy Spirit going to do? Probably. Oh, the very Son of God has given to us the Spirit of God. Or what? Well So they work in us, and on us, and through us. We have a God who knows everything and can do anything. that God is, in a unique, unique way, part of us, given to us. And that empowers us, first and foremost, to deal with sin. giving one sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What would Jesus' long-term followers be commissioned to do? Not what the first disciples necessarily did, right? Because we know that in the early church, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in other languages, so that the word may be spread quickly, they're able to do miracles, so people, when they draw attention to the message, even raise the dead. Those gifts don't seem to be with us anymore. They had an important reason when they were given. But what is still with us is the commissioning. The commissioning that Jesus gave. He forgive anyone's sins. Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus most definitely paid for the sins of the whole world. Everyone who has or will, will live. But there are many who are not going to benefit it from that. Because none believe they reject him. Many who even know Jesus will live each day in dread and fear of an angry God Pray he's going to punish them for their sins, and God's not angry anymore. He punished Christ. Why are people like that? Possibly because those who have been conditioned have been carried out. But they're authorized and privileged to do. If you forgive anyone sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them. They're not forgiven. Your friends is not claiming God to say what God says and has authorized us to say it. Well, when your pastors stand on front here after we've had a confession of our sins and basically they say, Peace be with you, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, those sins are forgiven. See, we're carrying out that, that commission. Or or when we come and receive the Lord's Supper, whether it's down there or up here, and we hear and remind you the words of what Jesus said, right? This is my body. This is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. What's happening? Christ is is forgiving you your sins not I hope they are, maybe they are, this is God's sure and certain promise to you and to me. See? So who can do this I mean, who can carry out this great commission? Just a selected few, the 11, or some pastors? No, no, no. This is given to the church. Not only here, but in other places. Go and make the of all nations given to the church. commission. Empowered to go and do that. How are you doing with this commission from Jesus? When was the last time of love that you have gone to a friend, family member, somebody that you know that's living in ongoing sin? Did you give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to call that person to repentance? So that you could have the opportunity to tell them what Jesus has done for them? Or not? That's, that, that, that's kind of hard to do. Maybe, maybe you guys are trained to do that but, oh, living with a tormented, guilty conscience is harder. Seeing others follow after that person and acting like them and in their unrepentant sin is harder, too. Okay? Oh yes, they may very well not be repentant. They may very well get mad at you. They may very well have to say, well, you know, if you lived in that unrepentant sin, knowing it is, and say, I don't care, then that, that sin's not forgiven. It wasn't because you're mean, it wasn't because you got something against them, it's because that's God's truth. That truth also is. The Holy Spirit touches sinful hearts as He has touched our sinful hearts. And we turn to that Savior, saying, "I am sorry, forgive me." We know the answer is you're forgiven. I lived perfectly to replace that sin. I died eternally. So that sin would not be on your head. We also need to be ready when someone comes to us and confronts us with our sin. Well, listen, Put the de- keep the defenses down and if it is a sin that we truly have said or done like David they have sinned I've sinned against you I've sinned against God, I've sinned against my heavenly father, well David's just sinned against a lot of other people besides his heavenly father in your eyes yes Other horrible things are going to happen Okay. would so for you need to talk to a family member about their sin. See, we're not to judge repentance. See, God judges the hearts and the minds that that's not for us to do. It is for us to come to them and share with them and hopefully share the good news that that sin has been forgiven. How would you like to have been Nathan the prophet sent by God to go to the king. call him to repentance. Over what obviously was a known public sin. A sin in which David didn't seem to have repented for over a year. The baby was now born. There are some that believe that David lost his faith during that year. How long can you tell God I know it's simple I know I've done it but I don't care. David was called to go to that unrepentant king. One who holds the power of life and death and has no problem putting people to death, obviously. He's upset with them and them to repentance. And we don't know exactly how David was, uh, David was called to do that. We don't know how, how long David waited. Oh, and, and he did it in a, in a very special way, right? He didn't go and, and just call uh, him an outright sinner. He went and explained the situation to try to get David to be able to see what he had done. And maybe you have those gifts and I, maybe we don't. But so he finally said, David. Spirit, he? You are the man. You are the woman. You are the son. You are the daughter. You are the child. May the Holy Spirit be a part of us if we say that to others or if it's said to us. So that we will say with David, I have sinned. Jesus, forgive me. That's how we go about living victoriously. So you and I now at peace forgiven and commissioned. commission. The question for us is what will I do? What will you do? What will we do?